January 22nd of 1973, um, the Supreme Court ruled and decided to make abortion legal. It's a law. It's something that I, I'm sure led to lots of pain and lots of, <laughs> sorry, there you go. Something that led to a lot of pain, a lot of fear, a lot of decisions that um, have impacted many. Um, in 1984, again January 22nd, uh, Sanctity of Life Day was started. And I, I believe that, of course, that was intentional. Let's take a day 11 days later and let's make something new. Let's renew. Let's begin focusing on life. And I think that's very much what God is about. Let's take the fear. Let's take the pain. Let's renew. Let's bring our focus back to, to life and the goodness. Um, this video and this just little talk here was meant to be just a, a brief testimony type thing to introduce, introduce the Sanctity of Life Sunday and, and be your, your quick message before the sermon today. I, I do think it ties in though, and hopefully you catch a little bit of that as we look at our God being a God of life, being a God of joy, being a God of healing. Um, and how he can work with us through that. Uh, let me pray, and then uh, we'll get going. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for the beautiful morning that you've given us, and for just the, the, the beauty of the world that you've created for us, that we can come here, and thank you for our safety and getting here to church. Uh, just please bless us all with a, a good morning. Thank you for the, the good singing, and exhortation we've already been able to be a part of it worship here together and help that continue today I pray this in Jesus name amen so last week I, I had the opportunity to speak on renewal and it was very much about how God renews the mind and looking diving deep into Romans 12 too. today um, I'm going to continue that a little bit and look into balance with the whole idea of work rest repeat and in your Sunday school class, you're able to read through Max, uh, Mark 6, 30 through 44, and do a deep dive into that, uh, hopefully with your discussion group. I want to read it again, give a couple comments, and then we'll, we'll get going. So Mark chapter 6, verse 30 through 44. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all of the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can get to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of man's wages. Are we going to spend that much on the bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. 
Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in the groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was five thousand. This story to me is full, is just packed full in such a short passage of work and different types of work, whether it was the teaching, the taking the boat out, uh, I'm sure that wasn't an easy feat either, uh, figuring out how to feed all these people and, and Jesus teaching again. And it's also full of rest. It's full of the rest needed to go and be solitary for a little bit, to go and just relax for a little bit, get away. The, the rest that came from those hungry people being satisfied by their food, uh, the, the rest that was needed in hearing Christ teach them. They were sheep without a shepherd. And hopefully you got into that a little bit in your Sunday school discussion because I think it's a powerful message packed in to such a short story of how Christ, how God wants us to work and wants us to rest and wants those things balanced in our life. So the message today is balance, work, rest, repeat. I've got four main points, the deliberate work, automation, prayer, and rest. My, my approach this time around, I, I really wanted to share with you the things that I've been learning about the brain and how people learn. It's that metacognition thing again. But the Bible came first before this science that we're learning. And so I want to begin with those Bible verses. And then I want to talk about what I'm learning about the brain and how that works. And, and I think God works that way. I think he, he's got the message. He's giving us the message. And it's only as we grow and as we learn that he opens our eyes to, wow, that, that passage meant so much more to me now when I read it today than it did 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, because God's helping me grow, helping me learn. So... We'll start with deliberate work. Uh, the, the two points that I wanted to focus on, deliberate work is focused and it's uncomfortable. It's a good stress type of thing. Um, looking at the, the research guy that I like, uh, he says there's seven points, but we can boil it down to two. <laughs> and this really captures a lot of the idea. So deliberate work is focused. If we look at Colossians, Chapter 3, 23 to 24 says, Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as a reward, and the master you are serving is Christ. So we need to be focused in our work as if we're working for the Lord. So what I, I think this is something that maybe you already know, but you can't multitask. It's a myth. I'm sorry, but the brain science is out there and it says it can't be done. If you switch between tasks and you go from this to that to this to that and you're back and forth, what they are finding in research, women and men, it doesn't matter, that the quality of the work, the effectiveness of the work drastically drops when you're constantly switching between tasks. And so you need to focus. Uh, one, one person described it as 
you've got one person or you've got actors on a stage in your brain and you can only have one up there that's really got the spotlight on them. And if you start putting too many people up there, um, it, it becomes confusing and you're not sure where you should be putting your attention. And so we focus as if we're working, on, we're working for the Lord. What matters most right now? That's what I should be focused on. Next we have deliberate work is uncomfortable. There's a good stress that's needed. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. This comes almost as an opposite. It's like, wait a minute, be focused as if you're working for the Lord, but hey, don't worry about it. And so we see this balance of stress in a positive way, like you're focused, you're working for the Lord, and then we see this, wait a minute, don't stress. God's got it. God's going to help out. James 1, 2, and 4, dear brothers and sisters, consider when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your, in- your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Um, that endurance is fully developed. That leads to our automation point in a bit here. But we see that we have trials of many kinds again. Um, I've got a bit of a graph up here. Again, the brain science talks about this. There is an optimal level of stress for you to perform well. When we're too relaxed, when we're too just laid back, I got this, we perform pretty poorly. We miss it. We make mistakes. When we stress too much, when we're worried about every detail, when we're anxious, when we're panicked, when we've got too much on our plate, guess what? We perform pretty poorly. The optimal level of stress is just uncomfortable, as if we're focusing on working for the Lord. You put that little bit of energy into, I'm doing this for God. I'm doing this because I need to be doing pleasing work for God. And by the way, he's here to help me. We get that balance. And this is for optimal performance, optimal use of our brains. It's like God knew what he was doing when he designed us. (laughs) All right. This takes us to automation. So the point of all of this, we talked last week in the renewal about building ruts in the brain. I brought my another Play-Doh. I'm sure my Sunday school group was wondering what I was doing, but I was forming a brain again, making a little brain. And we build all those ruts in, remember? You keep doing the good habits and the right things and you're making good choices and you build those in so that's what you're used to. Automation is this cool idea of you do it enough times and it becomes more automatic. And, and I don't know exactly, maybe one of our people in medical fields knows where the basal ganglia is. I imagine it's this underneath part. But it's like you do it enough, it becomes automatic. You don't have to think about it anymore. It's embedded. It's dug in there. So we're going to build ruts. We're going to have intentional barriers and long-term focus. Building ruts. Proverbs 23, 7a. And I went to New King James Version for a reason. For as he thinks in his heart, 
so is he. As you think, as you do, that's who you are. I looked at a couple other translations and they actually, they almost make this point a little confusing, but the, the, the background words support this. Um, one version said something along the lines of, um, a stingy man is still going to be stingy with you, as stingy as he is with himself. As he thinks, so he is. That's, that's who you are. That's the ruts that you build. And so we want to build ruts. Uh, we've got a picture here, a couple pictures. When it comes to temptation, in our bottom corner here, have you built the ruts so that it's habit to make the right choice? Have you built those ruts to where you can handle that, to where you can decide the right thing? And, and I went earlier and I said you can't multitask. And that's pretty much true when it comes to new items. But guess what? People can sing while they drive. Singing takes some focus. Driving takes some focus. But uh, once you've driven for a while, it becomes a little automatic. You've built those ruts in. And suddenly you can talk to somebody else. I wouldn't say you can text now. <laughs> but you've now got the ruts in place to where... It, Anybody that started teaching a young person to drive knows that those first several outings, you're like, turn off the radio, everybody in the backseat, be quiet. <laughs> this person needs to learn what they're doing. We're still automating right now. We want this to become who they are. And guess what? It's the same with those good habits that we need. The Bible reading, the prayer, and everything else. So let's, let's move on to our next uh, verse here. Automation, we need intentional barriers, 2 Timothy 2, 22 and 23. Run from everything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. And again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. When we are vulnerable to sin, when we've got old sin in our life, we've got bad habits in our life that we're trying to avoid, we need to run from those because we don't have the focus, the attention, the willpower to handle it. We can't be in those situations when we're vulnerable um, until we are strong enough to handle it. And I think that takes quite a while. I don't think it's something that comes easy. I would say maturity is knowing what you can handle and acting like it. Maturity isn't saying, well, look, I'm a Christian now. I can handle anything. I'm going to put myself in vulnerable sit. No. No, maturity is saying, I'm pretty weak here. I'm staying away from it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm strong here. That doesn't mean I'm going to go diving in. But if I need to, I can handle it. Yeah. Because that's how God has developed me and God has prepared me. Automation requires long-term focus. Ephesians 6, 7, and 9. Here, um, Paul is talking about your masters and when you're working for a master. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember, the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. And again, in verse 9, Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven. 
and he has no favorites. Um, I, I'm sure I've told this story before, but when I was back in the Marines, there was a Sergeant Tinch that he was the most respectful, nicest guy to every private that worked for him. And he told us, I, I asked him one time, why, why are you so nice to these guys? All the other sergeants and corporals are like, do push-ups, mop the floor, whatever. And he was just nice to them. It's like, I've been around long enough to know that those privates become officers. Yeah. <laughs> and then the tables turn. And, and it's something where, you know what, I've got to be good to them now. Well, guess what? The, everybody that you're encountering with is a son or daughter of God. Yeah. And we've got to have that long-term focus. Um, we exercise our bodies so that we can be in good health later in life. We read our Bible and we memorize verses so that they're there for us when we need them and when we want them later in life and to build those habits. If you've spent the time digging into your word, praying to God, those habits are formed, then it's like that's who you are. Crazy enough, that's how God works. He, he can change you that way. And then we've got a couple more here. Um, the act of service, uh, serving is a muscle. Being a servant is a muscle. Seeing the needs of others. I think Rhonda brought that up in our group. That When it comes to serving, you've got to practice it and do it so that it becomes natural to see the needs of others and to take action on it. And of course, Michael, Squats, uh, Michael Scott's quote here, would I rather be feared or loved? Easy, both. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. <laughs> I think this kindness habit that we have towards others, though, that is a long-term focus as well. You know, God said, masters, treat your slaves well, right? You know, they're also co-inheritors. We need to be nice to each other for the long term. That takes us to prayer. I'm sure this could be a sermon on its own. But we're going to look at how prayer changes the mind and how prayer can be used. And God tells us to be thankful that we should pray for success, that we should pray faithfully. When it comes to thankfulness, we read in Philippians 4, 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Those are the kind of ruts that we need to be automating. That's the kind of prayer we need to be sending, <laughs> speaking with God, is being grateful, being thankful, being gracious for all of the good that he's put in our lives um there's a, a dr caroline leaf uh terry bartlow last sunday shared her work with me a little bit and i'm like okay i gotta get the book and look at it and uh she's very much all about the the brain and what does the bible say and she's a neuroscientist much smarter on any of this than me but her book is like packed full of bible verses showing all this and these pictures she shared just amazed me. She said, this is a, a graphic image of a healthy brain and the, the neural connections going on. This is a graphic image of a toxic brain and the connections going on. And it, the main difference is the yellow and the orange. No, it's actually the, the cloudiness, right, on this one. The envy, the jealousy, the anger, the, the uh, fear that can cloud those connections and make it so that 
you, you don't know what the right choice is. God has designed us to be positive beings, to be grateful beings, to be thankful, to be faithful. And when we go against that, when we feed fear, when we feed that pain, we cloud our ability to think clearly and to think the way he's designed us to. We should pray for success. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And Exodus 33, 14. This is God talking to Moses here. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. So, <laughs> we need to pray for success, pray for things to go well with us. This is my belief, and maybe this is my interpretation of the Bible or how God has designed things, but I think that he sets us up with all the experience, all the wisdom, all the knowledge we need in this life, and a healthy brain that he has helped shape and develop and form in you has the ability to get the answers you need. But when you're not prayerful, when you're doubting, those connections aren't made. And it's like you can't function when you force it on your own. But you pray and you let it go <laughs> and let God, you know, as they say. It's like he can get in your mind and say, this is what you were looking for. Do you remember that experience? How many times have you prayed for an answer and as soon as you're done praying, it's like, there's the answer, and you remember it, and you're like, oh, never mind, God, I remember. <laughs> no, it's not how it works, right? You pray, and God is like, yeah, let me work with what I've created in you. Let me get it together. Prayer needs to be faithful, James 1, 5 through 8. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is un as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything you do. We go back to our picture of the, the graphic brain in a healthy state and an unhealthy state. and We, we think about, are you doubting do you have this clouded belief where I'm not sure if God's going to answer me or not? Guess what? You're creating that toxic situation in your mind. And yes, God can work with you. And God's glory is going to come in the end. But you can't expect an answer to come when you've got this doubt going in underneath. We need to be confident that God's going to answer us. We need to have faith that he is going to help us succeed so that he can better use our minds that he's designed to get us the answers that we need and help us to, you know, take care of things. Um, it's his design, his inspiration, his control. And what's great about this, if you go back to James 4, this is one of those things, praying this morning and going through Sunday school, um, I feel like God opened it back up to me. So let it grow your faith. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. 
Um, we let it grow. That's the automation. And back a little further, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Your trials, if we understand it as an opportunity for joy, we say, I'm being tested. I need to pray. And I need to have joy and faithfulness in this trial so that God can come help me get to the answers. Final point today is on rest. Rest should be directed and intentional, and we need to do it before we don't have a choice. In Exodus 23, 12, we see the pattern God has set. Uh, You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but on the seventh day you must stop working. This gives your ox, your donkey, a chance to rest. It also allows your slaves and foreigners living among you to be refreshed. We set a pattern, and you can see those same patterns. Maybe it's not six and one, but you see it throughout life. Eating, fasting. You ever get to the point where you've eaten so much where you're like, I need a day off from eating so that I can cleanse Thanksgiving? Yeah. Um, Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I'll be honored throughout the world. Uh, Just briefly about this. No, I'll, I'll hit it in a second, sorry. And then Mark 2, 27 and 28. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people, and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. I, I picture almost that this is when Christ is talking to the Pharisees, that they are so worked up and anxious about following the rules of the Sabbath that they're not actually resting. And he's like, wait a minute here, guys. This law, this rule is in place so that you can be refreshed, so you can be rested, and you're turning it into work. It's like you missed the point here. This is to heal you. And by the way, those that were with him, do they need that rest and refreshing, or is God right there with them saying, hey, I know when you need it, I know when you don't, as the example in Mark 6 showed with the boat and the feeding. Rest should be directed and intentional. One of the things that we learn from the brain um, when we are in a group setting like this, when we're in an outward dealing with the world, uh, we've got a subconscious mind that's running, and then we've got our conscious mind that's looking and seeing and figuring out and, and, and interacting with everybody and everything around you. And this is normal and it's good, but it's work. When we rest, when we pray, when we take ourselves away to that quiet place, when we are still, as the psalm suggests, the conscious mind relaxes and it retracts. The subconscious mind actually ups its energy. And it's like God is saying, okay, be still, get away from all of the distraction, and I'm going to help you heal inward inwardly and I'm going to work on that subconscious mind and get things going back where they need to be. There's this process. I talked about ruts in the brain. Um, one of the things that's come out a little more recently is it ne- isn't necessarily ruts. It's actually what they call myelination. And it's, if you think about wires and insulation wrapping a wire, you have these neurons. And uh, BJ, maybe you could <laughs> understand this better than us. But if you have a poorly insulated wire, what happens to the electrical flow? it's more likely to leak out to 
I have added and to cause problems. And if you have that clouded mind like we saw in the previous pictures where you don't have the insulation, are you going to have those neurons firing the way they need to? Are you going to be able to function normally? No. And so the ruts that you're building, it's actually insulation layers being added onto these pathways that we're saying, this is the habit I want. I want to be the person that reads my Bible every day and meditates and prays with God. Well, I need to make that something that's well insulated so it becomes the natural thing that I do. This happens in rest. This is when God says, okay, pull back all that distraction and let me heal your brain and let me insulate and repair and fix everything. We need to do it before we don't have a choice. Psalms 127.2 It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. Rest is for growth, not just for our comfort or recharge. And I do think God has a sense of humor because the very next verse in verse 3, children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward for him. Right after saying, don't stay up late, don't work so hard, don't be so tired. It's like God saying, and here's some kids, and they're a joy. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, I mentioned that that inward activity increases. So the, there's this thing, I, I don't remember this in school, but I guess your blood is providing nutrients to your body all the time. Makes sense. A different system altogether, the lymphatic system, is removing the toxins constantly from your body. Right? And so you've got one giving nourishment, one taking out the waste. Your brain has no lymphatic system, which is crazy. But we're getting nutrients with blood. But toxins are kind of sitting in there. And so at night when you rest, when you hit that deep sleep, your brain shrinks because the blood flow has kind of died off. And they've learned that your spinal fluid, <laughs> this might be gross, but your spinal fluid comes up and it washes over your brain and does the detox for you. And so you need that sleep, that deep sleep. You need the rest that God has designed for you to cleanse your mind of those toxins. And here's the thing. When you get sleepy like this, um, you ever feel drunk almost when you're tired? It's because you are. Those toxins in your mind that your body can't get rid of are pretty much drugging you. And I don't know how they figured this out, but they studied that at 200 hours about, uh, without sleep, you'll die from the toxic shock. If you're not regularly getting the rest that God has designed for you to need to cleanse your brain, you're setting yourself up for other mental problems. This is, I, I mean, I can't say 100% this is gonna prevent uh, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, any of those types of things. But we know that when you don't rest and the toxins don't really get cleaned out, that you're hurting yourself in the long run. And God has given us this balance. God has said, you need to rest. Imagine that. He knows what's best for us. Um, I've got a kind of a wrap-up video for this part. Without rest, we could end up like this guy. My name's Frank. This is my first meeting. Bye, Frank.
I've been clean for 12 hours. Close call this morning, though. It is good fun in this video, but I do think it's something that we need to look at. God's designed us for balance. And if we read his word and we obey what he's directed us to do, to be focused in our work, that deliberate work that's focused and, and as if working for him, if we work to make those things who we are as a person. We, we make the good habits and the right choices something that, that becomes us. Then we can actually be even more effective. We need prayer because we need the right stress and we need God to help us in that success. We need the right attitude in our prayer. We need to have gratitude. We need to be faithful knowing that he'll give us the answers, that he'll show us the way if we just rely on him. And of course, finally, we need to rest. We need to recognize that resting is as much a part of God growing us and healing us as the work itself. And that we, we can't do it on our own. And I think that's the big fear when we avoid rest and we avoid prayer, is the, I'm still trying to be in control here, God. I'm still trying to make it work. And that's when we have to let go and say, no, i, I got to let you do this, God. It's time for me to back off and, and heal. Um, Justin, thank you for your exhortation. And, and this is just one of those things, again, I think this is God making the connection. Uh, on the cross, uh, Justin described Christ's attitude. God, why have you forsaken me? How, how many times have I heard that passage and thought, 
God's crying out in pain, and I'm sure he was in pain. But Christ, with that perspective you share, Justin, it's awesome to think. He's saying, I have confidence in you, God. I have reason to believe that the rest of that psalm, I picture him up on the cross and getting those words out and maybe can't get the air in his breath to say the rest of the psalm. But it's a, a cry of confidence and of faithfulness. And even in that most trying time, for him to have that joyful attitude and that faithful attitude and that mindset shows that, yes, this is the Son of God and this is our model. Um, hospitality night tonight. Hopefully you're looking forward to that with good joy. Um, make sure you connect with your families if you're not sure who to go with. Uh, Jana, you've got the list. In, or is it back by the box? Or on Facebook? And the bulletin. All right, there you go. Plenty of places. Uh, I'll close out with the word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for the beautiful day you've given us again for this time that we can come together as a church family. Help us to, to constantly look for you, for our guidance, for our strength in all that we do, whether it's the work, the rest, or the time that we need to just connect with you in prayer. Bless us with a good rest of this week until we can meet again as a church family. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.